You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Bayshore Millsboro, our 1030 service. Good to see everybody. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, Hey, listen, if you're in church today, you have a perfect attendance for 2024. Not going to get any better than this. This is everybody here. You got a perfect attendance so far. So thank you so much for being here. I just came from Femic Island. Great group there today. And just some great things are happening at Bayshore. And Happy New Year to everybody. We're so glad that you're here this morning. We are actually starting a new series to get our uh, new year started called Reset. And this series is about getting reset for the new year, getting started in the right way. And uh, reset kind of means to, you know, kind of get a new focus on things. And uh, you just kind of get reset and start all over again. That's a good, good thing about the changing of a year. You know, Karen and I, when uh, we'd have trouble with the, uh, with the computer, my problem, my, my solution to every problem on the computer is to turn it off and start it again, reboot. How many know that fixes 90% of your problems? So I'm like all about that. We used to have trouble with our uh, smart TV, and I would uh, tell Karen, I'd go out of the room, I'm going to work on it a while. Just unplug it real quick, plug it back in, and, and she'd come in and be working. She says, you are amazing. I said, I know it's very complicated, but got it worked out. So, But anyhow, so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. We're going to be looking at one particular section of a book in the Old Testament called the book of Micah. And when I was uh, doing the Christmas series, I just fell in love with this book. I had to read it for our Bethlehem sermon and just read Micah over and over again. I just really fell in love with this book and really spoke to me about some things. So we're going to start the new year by looking at one famous section in the book of Micah found in chapter 6. And hopefully you'll learn a little bit about the book, learn about how this works for us in our real life. So Mar- Micah 6, 6 through 8, it brings, it starts this way. What shall I... What shall I come before the Lord and bow before the exalted God? With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with, a, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what? Shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let me read that verse again. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, the book of Micah is a book that was written about uh, 700 years before Christ came on the earth, and there was a bad king uh, during his prophesying time, a guy named Ahaz. He shut the temple doors in Jerusalem, kind of shut down worship and uh, led Israel astray or the land of Judah astray. And then another king came along by the name of Hezekiah, and he opened the doors of the temple, restored worship in the temple. But the people were going through the motions and their heart was not really engaged in the right way with the Lord. So that's what's really happening in Micah's prophecy, and that was what he's prophesying about. And in Micah's time, when he's prophesying, there's a lot of injustice that's taking place in the land of Judah around Jerusalem. A lot of injustice. The rich people 
are uh, taking the property of the poor and confiscating it. I don't know if you remember back in, uh, in World War II when Germany took, uh, you know, Nazi Germany became, became uh, the, you, you, the strong power in Germany, and they were confiscating the wonderful houses of the Jewish people. In, 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 in Micah's time, there's this uh, exploitation of people. There's this, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, aggressive nature toward taking the, the land of the people. There's a scripture in the book of Micah that says that the rich took the very shirt off the poor people. So there's a lot of injustice that's happening in Micah's day. And he prophesies to that. And what's happening is because their relationship with the Lord has dwindled and they're just sort of going through the motions. They're going to the temple and they're making sacrifices. In fact, in the section we read, there's sort of an argument going on between Yahweh and the people uh, of Judah. And they're saying, what do you want from us? We're making sacrifices. We're uh, bringing uh, rivers of oil to you. Uh, we're making uh, sacrifices in the temple. But they were going through the motions, but it was not authentic. And because their relationship with the Lord was compromised, it affected how they treated other people. It affected how they related to their fellow man. It, related, it affected how they related to their neighbors. When there is a diminishing of our relationship with God, it affects how we treat other people. When we're close to the Lord and we're walking with the Lord in intimacy and the Holy Spirit is in us and we're loving Jesus, it elevates how we treat our spouse. It elevates how we treat our neighbor. It elevates how we treat the people we work with. Whenever there's a decline in our relationship with God, there's a decline in how we treat other people. And so Micah writes to them, and he said, listen, you've got all these sacrifices, but God is not interested in ceremony. God is not interested in ritual. God is just simply interested in how you treat other people. Because when your relationship with God is in a good place, it will make you treat your neighbor in a good way. It will make you treat your wife in a good way. It will affect how you communicate with your children. So at the end of the day, what uh, Micah's saying is that we already know what we're supposed to do. He said, I've shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? The thing about us in church, we've been in church for a long time and been walking with the Lord and all that, and we get all of this information. We learn more and more stuff. We learn about, you know, the Bible, and we're in our Bible study groups, and we're studying different books and all that. We love that here at Bayshore. We love to learn the word. We love to learn scripture. But at the end of the day, what really matters is not what we know, but what we do with what we know. And that's what, uh, that's what Micah is saying. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. You already know what you're supposed to do. You already know how you're supposed to live. You already know how you're supposed to treat your neighbor. You already know these things. And what the Lord really wants is justice. He wants you to treat people fairly. He wants you to treat people with love and kindness. So just knowing the Bible is not enough. Knowing the Bible, coming and learning, going to our Bible studies, learning all the things we do, and, and you're looking at a guy that loves to learn. I love Scripture. I love the, to read it in Greek and Hebrew. I love to read commentaries. I love to learn new things. I'm constantly listening to podcasts. 
But what Micah is telling us is none of that really matters if you don't take what you know and use it to love and care for other people. He's shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. We already know enough. We already know enough. I hope you learned some things this year. I hope we learned some things. But at the end of the day, if you don't learn anything this year in church, if you don't learn one new thing in church, we already have enough stuff that we're supposed to be doing and implementing in our life and serving and loving other people. Because at the end of the day, what God really cares about is not ritual. God doesn't care about ceremony. God doesn't care about religious activities. What God really cares about is how our relationship affects how we treat other people. I love, uh, you know, the Civil War, Civil War, uh, interesting, you know, there was this guy named George McClellan in the Civil War, you know, Civil War, the Union and the Confederates battled at the uh, first battle bull run, the Union Army got whipped really bad, and, and everybody thought before that battle the, the Civil War would be over in 90 days, but it looked like it was going to be a very bloody affair now. And so Lincoln put this guy in charge of the army, a guy, guy named George McClellan. And if you study the Civil War, one of the things you'll know about the Civil War is George McClellan was always in conflict with President Lincoln. And here's the problem. McClellan wanted more and more troops always. He couldn't get to seem to get enough troops. He took the army, the Union Army, from 50,000 members to uh, 168 members in five months. It was the biggest standing army ever on North America, but he never felt like he had enough soldiers to go to war. So he would, he would look at Richmond, but he would never attack Richmond. And so Lincoln writes to him, and Lincoln says, listen, if you're not going to use the army, can I borrow it? Because he had all of these soldiers, but he never used them. George McClellan is sort of a model of what happens in our Christian life. We have all of this information. We know about the book of Hebrews. We know about the book of Matthew. We know about the book of uh, Ephesus, the Revelation, not so much, but we know a lot of things. But we, the Lord says, listen, it's not what you know. It's what you do with what you know. Are you taking what you know and understanding God's highest value is to love him. All the scripture, everything in scripture. You can be in church for the next 30 years. All scripture, everything boils down to it. Paul said this. Other writers said this. It all boils down to loving God and loving your neighbor. When you love God uh, intimately, it affects how you relate to other people how you talk to your spouse and how you relate to your children. So the most spiritual thing I can do this year, the most spiritual thing I can do this year is, is you know, not learn a lot more stuff. I'm going to keep learning. But the most important thing I can do this year is to be nicer to my wife, to be kind to her, to talk to her in, 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 in nice tones. Have you ever, has your tone ever been wrong in your marriage? How many, you know, you didn't say anything bad, but it was how you said it. You know, you say, you lost the remote again. <laughs> so, you know, you know, sometimes it's how you say things. And my uh, 
I have a good friend that he was, his first pastorate was around uh, this lake and uh, houses around this lake. He pastored this little church, this lakeside community. And, and on, on Tuesday nights, he'd go out knocking on doors and telling people about Christ, inviting them to church. And, and one particular Monday, he was going fishing, him and his wife, and they, they, they were loading the boat. And as they're loading the boat, putting stuff in the boat, she wasn't doing it right. She wasn't putting the, the uh, fishing rods in there right. And he began to bark at her and was terse with her and sharp with her. And you know how water magnifies sound. So everybody in that community heard how he was talking to his wife, how he was communicating to his wife. And when he would knock on doors, he was telling this man one time, well, you know, you, you, nobody's perfect. And he said, well, I know nobody's perfect. You're not perfect, Pastor, because I heard how you were talking to your wife. So this year, he has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love God perfectly, and then out of your love for God, to elevate how you treat other people? My, uh, I got a neighbor. My neighbor is um, two new neighbors. They, I don't think they know Jesus. I'm pretty sure they don't know Jesus. They don't know the Lord. Uh, you know, I just, I just sense that maybe they're not church people. And they don't know the Lord probably. But you know what they do? They, uh, when they get their garbage can on, on, on the garbage day, uh, the day after garbage day, they pull mine back as well and put it next to my house. You know, at our, have you ever gotten mixed up on garbage day if it's recycle day or not? You ever got mixed up on that? You know, ours comes every other week. So I look at my neighbor to see if he brings his out. And then I was having dinner with him one time, and he was telling me he was looking at another neighbor to see if they. <laughs> but I was thinking about this. These people that don't know Jesus, they're doing justice. They're doing kindness. They're pulling my garbage can back. And so, you know, my attitude is I don't even want to take it out of there, out there, let alone bring somebody else's back. So we've been like now we're like in a contest. I look out the window. <laughs> and as soon as they like that, they drop it off. I'm running after I'm trying to get the garbage can, their garbage can to bring it back. You know, sometimes the most spiritual things are the most practical things. How you talk to people. You know, loving God affects how you react and treat other people. Some of you have heard the story about my, my son Tim when he was a little boy. He, uh, he was helping me one night, the night before hunting season, to put a, a new strap on my gun. And he's always been a little, you know, engaged little boy, could always fix things, really a lot of uh, dexterity. He could fix anything, and he wanted to help me put this strap on, and he's trying to put the strap on. And as he's trying to put the strap on, he drops the gun, and it falls on top of the scope. And, of course, that knocks the scope out and hunting seasons the next morning. And I remember a flare of temper came out of me, and I just spoke at him real harshly. And I could see on his little face that I'd wounded him, that I'd hurt him. And it broke my heart. One of the most regretful moments of me being a father and then I, I obviously went to Tim and put the gun aside, and I hugged him. I said, son, you didn't do anything wrong. You were trying to help me. You see, Christianity is, is not about memorizing the book of Revelation. Christianity is not about, like, understanding the book of Ephesians. That's a tough book to understand. You want to try to do that. You want to try to understand all that stuff. 
But at the end of the day, what really matters is how we talk to other people. How we treat other people. Do we bring other people's garbage cans up? Are we serving? Are we loving? Are we treating people fairly and loving? There's this guy named Bob Goff. Bob Goff is a lawyer. Uh, he's written a couple books. One calls Love Does. And Bob Goff is this radical kind of Christian. And if you read Bob, Bob Goff's books, you know, he's always going to stretch you. He's going to make you feel uncomfortable. And he said when he first met Jesus, he went to all these Bible studies and they would sit at these Bible studies, and we would sit in a circle, he said, and we would talk about, is it right to see R-rated movies? Or what about this social issue? Or then they would look at a passage, and they would talk about what the Greek and Hebrew meant. And then he would look at that, and then he decided, you know, I, I don't think this is working for me. I'm bored. So he started this Bible doing group. Not a Bible study group, but a Bible doing group. He said a group of his friends, they'd get together and they'd read what Jesus said, and then they would come up with ways to fulfill that. They would come up with ways to feed the poor in the community. They would come up with ways to encourage the prisoners. And he said, I found it was a lot more fun to be a Bible doer than to be a Bible studier. And when Micah says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. He has shown you, you already know and I already know what to do to love people, to be kind to people, to be gentle to people, and to, to walk in, in humility before the Lord. So this year, you know, we have to just take, what do we know, Lord? What have you shown us? You've shown us how to treat other people. You've shown us how to, to, to relate to other people. You've taught us to forgive people. And so all I have to do this year is to already do what I already know to do. And I'm just really challenged by that. And I was studying this, and I was just like the Lord just said to me, he said, if you don't learn one more thing this year out of my word, if you will just take what you already know to do, I've shown you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? If you just take what you know to do, and you do that, then your life will be transformed. So you, you know... I know in my heart I have to forgive people. How many have ever been offended? Some, how many have ever been, been treated unjustly by somebody? Don't raise your hand. Don't point at the person that did it. Just you know in your heart that you've been treated unjustly. It's happened to every single one of us here. Maybe just came out of a family thing at Christmas, and you're like in therapy already. How many got some weird people in your family? Just raise your hand. And if you're not raising your hand, you are the weird person. <laughs> but you know what I know? I get on my knees and I pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. And I know I have debts. I know I have sins. And I can never quit forgiving until I'm able to quit sinning. And I haven't been able to pull that off yet. How many have sinned at least once this week? Just raise your hand at least once this week. And if you didn't raise your hand, you'd sin right now, you know? <laughs> we have a tendency to think about sin in offensive terms. Like, sin is when we do something wrong. Sin is like, we have this like narrow view of sin. Sin is when you like commit adultery or you say a curse word 
or you, uh, you get angry, or you do something that is clearly not wrong. We think about sin in uh, sort of what we should not do. But you know, that's an incomplete way of looking at sin because that's called the sin of commission. A sin of commission is when I do something I know I shouldn't do. A sin of omission is when there's something I should do that I don't do. And you say, Pastor Danny, is that scriptural? Can you prove that scripture? Here's a great verse for you to think about. James 4, 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If you know the good you're supposed to do. So I've always thought about sin as something I shouldn't do. Like, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't, you know, have that reaction. I shouldn't have those unpure thoughts. I shouldn't do this. I'm thinking in, in, a, in a sort of defensive way about sin. Karen asked me the other day, she said uh, she's really into football. She's a Ravens fan now, and um, Ravens, you know, were, you know, wasn't a good day yesterday, but it didn't really matter. So the Ravens, you know, were uh, doing good this year, and, and Karen's all excited. She's got a Raven jersey, and she's into football, and, and we're watching football together when the game comes on. Well, you know, life doesn't get any better. Your wife loves football now. It's amazing. We're watching football together. And she said to me the other day, we're sitting there. She's been watching for a couple years now, loves the Ravens. She said, what's the difference between all Offense and defense. <laughs> and I wanted to say, are you watching at all? What's the difference between offense and defense? Well, I said, well, I tried to, you know, I said, well, when Lamar has the ball and they're trying to score a touchdown, that's offense. And when Lamar's sitting there, you know, reading a comic book on the side, that's when the other people are out there, that's defense. And we had a little, you know, chuckle about that, laughed about that, and we're gonna, I'm going to quiz her later to see if she's really got this down. But, you know, what we have in our Christian life, we play defense all the time. I'm not going to do this this year. I'm not going to do this. So we're all about, we're not going to do the bad stuff. I just joined... Uh, the new gym in town, Planet Fitness, uh, you know, so a couple weeks from now, I'll be clearly buffed. You'll be noticing the difference. <laughs> He'll say, Pastor Nate, looking fine, you know, look at this. But, you know, I'm in there and, um, and, and just say I'm trying to give up being on social media this year and not be on social media as much. And I'm in there and I don't do the free weights, you know, I just do the machines. So, just suppose I'm sitting there and I'm working on one of those, you know, shoulder lift things and I put my phone down and I grab a hold of those bars and I'm lifting those weights and when I'm lifting the weights, it's impossible for me to be on social media because my hands are engaged in something else. I am engaged in something that's keeping me from doing the wrong thing. And the best way to overcome our bad habits is not to obsess on them. It's not to think, oh, i got to quit doing that. The best way to quit our bad habits is to engage in positive things and to begin to do the things that are positive. And when we do the positive things, it keeps us from doing the bad things. See, that's what, that's what, uh, 
That's what Micah's saying. He's shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly? He's saying you are to be proactive in your living, not defensive. Not saying I'm going to quit sin and I'm going to quit doing this, I'm going to quit doing that and all of that. That's something that we all deal with. But you become a proactive person. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 that when a demon leaves a man and he goes through arid and dry places, he comes back to the person that he had been cast out of from and he finds the vessel clean and swept and unoccupied. It's unoccupied, and because it's unoccupied, he brings back seven more demons worse than himself into that person because the person was unoccupied. So if we're occupied with doing the Lord's work, if we're occupied with loving our neighbors, if we're occupied with finding ways to serve other people, if we're occupied with helping other people, if we're doing what we know to do, it occupies us from doing what we shouldn't do. Say that with me. If we're occupied with doing what is good, it keeps us from doing what we shouldn't do. So that's an important principle in this, in this whole, whole story here. How do, we, how do we live? We live this year in a proactive manner, not in a defensive manner. Not like this year I'm going to quit eating too much. This year I'm going to quit lusting. This year I'm going to quit this. I'm going to quit this. And, and all those things, we, we go through that stuff all the time. But this year the focus is it's not so much don't do this. The focus is let's do this. Let's do this. Let's occupy ourselves with what's good. This year my goal is to speak kindly to people. Now, telemarketers, that's a problem for me. How many have ever had trouble with telemarketers? They call, and, and you don't, you're not nice to them. I mean, you don't know, even if you believe in the calls, like you're bothering me. I don't know how to get around that, and I need to work on that. You know, like, uh, God bless you. There's not a chance, but God bless you, you know, somehow. But people, you know, that you work with, how you talk to them this year? You know, it, you know, coming to church and, and going to your Bible study and memorizing your scripture, that's, that's absolutely incredible. But this year we say, Lord, you want us to act justly, to be fair, to be kind, because when I, am, when I think about myself, I'm fair with myself. I give myself a get-out-of-jail-free card all the time. Hey, you just made a mistake. You know, you're going to be okay. But other people, you should know better. Why did you do that? But we need to... Act justly, act with fairness and kindness and forgiveness and service and love because when I'm proactive, I find, you know, I find the will of God for my life. I know what I'm supposed to do. Some of you, you come to this new part of the year and you're thinking, what's God's will for my life? What am I supposed to do this year? I talked to somebody the other day. They're trying to figure out what school to go to. You're trying to figure out God's will. And, you know, sometimes the way people go at that is they get in a chair and they get real quiet and they sing Kumbaya and they fast and they pray and they wait and all that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But maybe the best way to find God's will, and here's how I find God's will, is I already know 95% of the things the Lord wants me to do. I already know I'm supposed to treat my neighbor in a certain way. I already know I need to forgive all of my offenders. 
I already know how I'm supposed to talk to my wife and my kids and my coworkers. I already know all that stuff. And if I will engage myself in doing those things, as I'm doing those things, it's in the process of doing those things that I discover God's will for my life. So you can't really steer a car that's parked or a truck that's parked. You can't turn the wheels that's too hard. But when the car or truck is moving, it's moving down the highway. Because it's moving, the, the vehicle can receive direction. So this year, as you're trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to get married? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Am I supposed to change jobs? This year, you know, Lord, I, I'm, I ask you to give me wisdom on that. You said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives freely to all without finding judgment. You ask the Lord for that, but you get, get on the business of serving and helping people and ministering to people and being kind to people. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, he who is kind benefits himself. So if I want to have a good year this year, I'm going to be kind to people. If he who is kind, Proverbs says, benefits himself, benefits himself. Some of you heard me tell many times about my friend Marty Glennon. I've told this story a million times about my friend in Bible college. I mean, Marty Glennon, he came out of Vietnam, and he was, uh, you know, he got from, back from Vietnam, and he was in combat, and he had a lot of uh, post-traumatic stress, and uh, he became an alcoholic, and his life was out of control, and he met Jesus, and, and he got married, and he came to Pensacola to the Bible school I was in, and Marty and I would ride to, to class together on a regular basis. And Marty just loved Jesus. You go to his house, he didn't have any pictures on the wall. He had scriptures all over his walls of his house. And he was into, like, de uh, delivering people from demons. Interesting guy, very, very interesting guy. And I loved talking to him. One day, I'm at Brownsville Baptist Church down in Pensacola, and I had taken this class on piano tuning uh, as an elective, and they had all these old pianos upstairs. And so I was up there practicing on tuning these pianos, and I came down from practicing tuning these pianos, and my 1971 green Thunderbird had a big flat tire, back tire, it was flat. And I remember... You know, looking at that big tire and opening the trunk and, you know, going to start this thing. And a little white Toyota kind of buzzes up beside, the, beside my car and the window rolls down and it's Marty Glennon. And Marty says, hey, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm getting ready to change this tire. He said, I'll help you. I said, well, where, where are you doing? He said, well, I'm on my way to the Bible college to take a test, to make up a test that I need to take. I said, Marty, don't worry about it. You go ahead and you go ahead and take your test. I'll figure this out. I can do this. And and he looked at me and he said these words. He said, I care more about you than I care about my test. I care more about you than I care about my test. Now maybe Marty wasn't ready for that test. I don't know what the deal was. But you know, this year, if we think about how we're going to live our life, how we're going to live our life, we're going to live our life where we do what we know to do, do what we have already been shown in God's Word. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God.
to love mercy, to live in humility, and to act justly, to treat people fair. That's the, that's the simpleness of the gospel. That's what the gospel is really about. Let me read one final story to you, and then we'll pray together. This is a story I came across uh, the other day. I thought it was really interesting, and uh, it kind of illustrates the point. I've got a, a lady by the name of Ashley Josh. Ashley Josh was uh, shopping at our local Target. When the book caught her eye, the 27-year-old had pledged to read more books so she picked it up, got home, and began reading it. Shortly after she sat down with the book, her dog barked, causing her to throw the book aside and revealing a hidden surprise, a $5 bill and a note hidden at the end of the book. The note said to the person who buys this book, I'm having a rough day. I thought maybe I could brighten someone else's with a little surprise. Go buy a coffee, donut, or a snack. Practice some self-care today. Remember that you are loved, and you are amazing, and you are strong, signed Lisa. Joss was so moved by the note that she posted it on Twitter, which was Twitter then, and several of her friends shared it with a local newspaper, got a hold of the story, and the tweet went viral. Not only were people enthusiastic about sharing the story, they were motivated to take part in spreading more acts of kindness. Joss's dad, for example brought groceries for a customer in front of him at the supermarket. Another follower wrote to Josh that, she had, been, that he, she had been inspired to do acts of kindness in honor of her 19-year-old daughter who had passed away in a car accident a few months earlier. When people see how easy it is to make a stranger's day better, they naturally gravitate to be part of the movement. For Josh, the note was a life-changing, was life-changing. Every week since she found it, she committed herself to another act of kindness. She said, this has shown me the value of checking in with people around me and making sure that I take these opportunities to encourage them. I don't think we can ever do enough. And the book of Proverbs says, Proverbs eleven seventeen, those who are kind benefit themselves. Those who are kind benefit themselves. Say that with me. Those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. I want you to take a moment as we close today. I want you to take your hand, and I want you to place it on your lips this morning, and we're going to pray that this, Lord, this year the Lord will bless your words. He will bless how you talk to your spouse. He'll bless how you talk to your children. He'll help you how you talk to your coworkers. Just ask the Lord right now to sanctify your lips, to be just and fair with people in your words. Father God, let us be just and kind and fair and merciful to people with our lips this year. God, we pray that you'll deliver us from any harshness, any tones that would belittle people. But God, give us the grace to speak the way Jesus would speak. The way Jesus would speak to us, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to give us that ability. Now, with your hands raised to the Lord, as your hands are raised to the Lord, just let the Holy Spirit help you this year. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good, what to do in your marriage, what to do in your relationship. It's very simple. It's not complicated. You don't need the world's greatest therapist to improve your relationship. All you need is a kind heart to love your spouse as you love yourself. You can improve your relationships at work by how you talk to your coworkers. 
You can restore the relationship you have with your children by how you communicate with them. Father God, we thank you for this word of, of equity and fairness and justice. Thank you, God, for helping us this year to be filled with grace and fairness, we pray. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.